Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for listening. This is Embodied Astrology and this is your host, Renee. I am a somatic movement educator and an embodied intuitive and an astrologer, a consulting astrologer. So I read people's charts and I think a lot about the body and the inner body, especially what's happening through our sensations or intuition. And I understand astrology and embodiment together. So in this podcast, that's what I'm talking about. Astrology as a language for understanding our experience here on Earth, living in bodies, going through cycles, seasons, phases. Astrology is such a generous language. It offers a really poetic kind of context to think about longer-term cycles that we're in, different lessons that we're learning, ways we're evolving, transforming, etc. So that's what I hope to give to you. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about Virgo. Virgo is such an important sign. We all have Virgo in our charts. It is the sixth sign, and I'll be talking about Virgo's correspondence to the sixth house in an astrological chart, also something that everybody has in their chart. I'll be talking about the Virgo-Pisces polarity. Pisces is Virgo's opposite sign, and how to understand the qualities of these signs in your life, in your behaviors, in your attitudes, in the world around you. I'll talk about Virgo's ruling planets and some of the ways I think or I interpret Virgo as an energy that we can all work with and some suggestions for working with it. So I hope you enjoy all of that. And please check out your audio horoscopes. The audio horoscopes for Virgo season are a separate offering. There is one for every sign. They're about 15 minutes each. And in the audio horoscopes, I give you a kind of month ahead major themes overview. And these are for your sun sign or for your rising sign. And those audio horoscopes are a great way to deepen your understanding of how Virgo can act in your chart, depending on your sun and your rising sign. So I offer these zodiac season horoscopes and the uh, sign-by-sign horoscopes for free every month, along with guided meditations and other kinds of practices. If this work is valuable to you, if you receive benefit from it in your life, please support it to continue. The number one way you can support this work is by sharing it. Send it to your friends and to your family. Uh, Every time you participate or you interact with me online, clicking the hearts, leaving comments, uh, definitely writing reviews, it really helps and it brings people to Embodied Astrology. You can also support Embodied Astrology to continue by becoming a financial sustainer. Uh, You can leave a one-time tip. You can become a monthly donor. Thank you, thank you, thank you, monthly donors and you one-time tippers. Thank you with two hands together and a deep bow. Your generosity supports me to do this work every single month. If you become a monthly donor, you can donate at any amount. People donate at 50 cents a month, at $15 a month, anywhere in between, more or less. And when you become a monthly donor, you get access to my expanded readings. So every month, you'll also get an additional recording where I go through in-depth 
the planetary aspects and the lunar cycles for the month ahead. And that includes a recording as well as an accompanying PDF that's kind of a calendar view or a planner view. The aspects and think about how you're interpreting astrology and it's a great tool for learning. Um, subscribers also get discounts on everything that I offer digitally. These include online classes and birthday reports. Speaking of birthday reports... Happy birthday, Virgos. Uh, your year ahead birthday report is now available from embodiedastrology.com. This is a special extended reading. It's a little over an hour long recording where I talk about the major themes for you in 2019 and 2020 and how to work with them, how to really use this astrological energy for your best benefit. The birthday reports include a PDF as well, and in this PDF you get detailed information on the major planetary transits and aspects in your upcoming 12 months. Um, you can find all of that at embodiedastrology.com in the horoscope section, so check that out. And again, thank you every time you purchase a birthday report, you support Embodied Astrology, and guess what? It's a really great gift to give to your favorite Virgos. Um, birthday reports are available for all of the signs. You can pre-order them if your birthday season hasn't begun yet in 2019, or you can get them if they've already been released. Uh, I want to encourage you to listen to some of the past guest episodes that have come out recently, um, particularly the most recent episode with Jeevan Singh, who's a somatic womb and pelvic healer, and the episode before Jeevan's with Aisha Edwards, who is a somatic trauma therapist. Both of these humans are so intelligent, um, so funny, so embodied, and have so much to offer for all of the themes of Virgo season in terms of embodiment and healing. So if you haven't checked them out yet, please do listen. Um, finally, come on retreat with me. September 29th through October 2nd, I'll be offering a three-day residential retreat in Southern Washington State at the Southwester Lodge. The Southwester is awesome. It's female queer run space. It's a vintage travel trailer resort and lodge. Um, the retreat is very financially accessible. It's pretty cheap to get lodging there. And um, I offer sliding scale scholarships specifically for queer and trans folks and for Black, Indigenous, people of color. Um, if you want a scholarship, write to me. And if you're interested in the retreat, check out embodiedastrology.com, again, under play and learn in the live events section. Um, this retreat is going to be focused specifically on Jupiter's transit through Capricorn pretty much all of 2020. This is a transit that begins this December of 2019 and wraps up December of 2020. And this is a really powerful transit that is going to open a lot of doors for a lot of people to manifest. I gotta say, shit feels crazy on Earth right now. It feels like there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of suffering, there's also a lot of opportunity, and the world needs us to show up for it. It needs our gifts, it needs our wisdom, it needs our leadership, and that is what I'm most interested in exploring in this retreat, is how we can really tap into what we are here to do and to offer in our lives. So check it out. Um... Let's see, finally, if you're a longtime listener to Embodied Astrology, I just want to say that you're probably going to be hearing some different background sounds in today's recording. Um, I've 
made a, a temporary relocation in the last week. I've come to the Midwest for the next four months, and I'm not recording in my quiet little sleepy corner of um, Portland, Oregon, kind of outside the city. I'm now um, living on kind of a busy street, and all of what I do, this entire podcast is self-produced. I don't use uh, fancy tools or equipment or soundproofed rooms. So please excuse the traffic outside. And if you hear the noises, um, just send me some love. Know that I'm just sitting in a room thinking about you and thinking about astrology and how uh, we're going to relate with it. So that's all for now. Um, I really hope you enjoy this episode and I will be back in just one second to get into Virgo season with you. All right, welcome back. Thanks for listening to my introductions. Um, I appreciate your attention and your participation and your interest in embodied astrology. So, of course, we're working today with Virgo, and I'm going to start with an embodiment practice, and this is a practice that you can do anywhere, um, pretty much while you're doing anything except for other things that require your full attention. So if you are walking, if you're commuting, if you are hanging out, cleaning your house, you can do this. Um, it requires a little bit of mental attention. It'll require you to check in with your body and we're going to go on an imaginative process. So it requires your mind and your awareness. So let's begin just by bringing um, some attention into the breath. And as you breathe, notice what it feels like to be breathing. Of course, we breathe all day. Your life began with an inhale. It'll end with an exhale. And so much of the time, I don't know about you, but I forget that I'm breathing. And it, of course, happens naturally. It happens automatically. And we can really get into habits with our breath and unconscious ways of breathing. A lot of people, including myself, uh, tend to breathe more shallow breaths, um, not always really intentional conscious breaths. So as you attune to your breath, just notice how your breath changes. This is one of the laws of nature is that when we give attention to anything, it changes. So how does your breath respond when you notice it? and notice the shape of your breath, how it moves into your body, how it spreads out, how it travels around. If there are places in your body that are sore or fatigued or maybe mysterious, kind of offline, inaccessible, you can invite your breath to move into those places. And sometimes it's helpful to use touch you could bring your hand to wherever it is that you want to breathe into and try and kind of just encourage the directionality of your breath towards that place. Or you might imagine that every cell in your body is breathing. Every cell requires oxygen to survive. And so as you breathe, there can be a movement of breath uh, into any tissue, into any part of your body, whether or not you feel an inhalation there. You can invite the, the cellular breath into that part of your body. And just take another couple of breaths and let these breaths bring you into attunement with where you are. 
with this time, with this place. As you breathe in, smell whatever smells are present. Feel the quality of the air as it touches the skin around your nose. And as you exhale, then just feel your presence in this place. Feel your weight, feel your intention, feel your essence. And whenever I'm tuning in for a meditation and I include astrology as a form of meditation, this um, idea of connecting to something that's larger, of moving my mind and my consciousness um, into alignment and into connection with a greater force, I often like to begin with a little bit of a prayer. And my prayer is usually very simple, which is... Um, may this practice be an offering, and may this practice be a healing. May anything that comes through this practice serve the good of all. May I do no harm. And whether or not I recognize it now, may I trust in the inherent capacity of this practice to bring me uh, more into alignment with my true self and may I remember that my true self is not separate from everything else in existence. So for this visualization, for this meditation, we're going to begin with the idea of your favorite fruit. And if you're not a fruit eater, then you can imagine your favorite vegetable or nut or seed but something that grows from the earth. And what I'd like you to do is imagine it in its ripe phase of growth, so it's ready to be eaten, but it's still on the plant. It's still connected to the ground in some way. Imagine seeing it, and then imagine moving towards it, and imagine the smell or some other kinds of qualities that are going to start to stimulate your hunger. So it might be how it looks or it might be what it feels like. And then imagine uh, reaching for it. And imagine that this piece of fruit or this vegetable, like when you reach for it, you can kind of just sense that it's ready to be picked. And you're going to pick it. It's going to come off into your hand. And then bring it to your nose and smell it. And then bring it to your lips and feel your mouth open and bring whatever it is into your mouth and take the first bite and imagine yourself chewing this delicious fruit, or vegetable, um, or seed. Imagine its taste. Mm, I'm imagining a peach. It's like late summer where I am. Peaches are so good. They're one of my favorite fruits. And then imagine swallowing. And as you swallow, so literally swallow in your body, uh, follow the pathway of your swallow into your stomach. 
and your stomach, the organ of your stomach, is on the left side of your body. It's um, kind of just below your left chest or, or kind of tucked up underneath your left ribs. So as you swallow, you might be able to track the sensation of your swallow into your stomach. And then you can imagine how your stomach uh, receives this bite. And you can imagine continuing to eat if you'd like. Uh, but now we're going to just follow the pathway of this bite through the body. And I should say, I suppose now, if you haven't figured it out already, that um, this is a very embodied meditation. We're going to be going through a digestive process. And um, I hope it doesn't gross you out because this is something that you have to do all the time. So your stomach is this magical container. And by magical, I mean it just works. It works without you needing to think about it. And um, when you swallow a piece of food, that uh, food material, those um, particles and uh, chewed bits of food come into your stomach. And there they're broken down through uh, digestive juices, your stomach enzymes, your stomach acid. And then the pathway of your swallow moves from your stomach kind of more centrally into your body. A couple of inches above your belly button, there's a little valve or uh, a transition place between your stomach and your small intestines. And your small intestines, I think you've probably heard, like if they're unfolded, they would um, cover the length of a football field or something like that. So they're... Um, kind of just one tube, but it's been folded and curved and folded and folded um, around itself just behind your belly button and kind of like a full palms um, circumference. If you put the center of your palm over your belly button, your intestines would be kind of behind your hand. So when you eat, whatever it is that you eat goes through your um, mouth of course and then you swallow through your esophagus and then into your stomach and then from your stomach into your intestines and in your small intestine um, your body does this work of discernment where it is checking in with whatever it is that you've swallowed and it's going hmm do I need that do I want that is this good for me and food is breaking down even further and the particles of food are becoming smaller and smaller. And your intestines then are absorbing the nourishment, the nutrition from your food and starting to do the work of assimilation, of bringing these nutrients into your bloodstream. And as uh, the, the food matter whatever the dense matter is, um, is releasing its nutrients into these smaller and smaller particles, um, the bulk material of your food, of course, is continuing to move through your small intestines. So now just check in with your breath again and notice in all that talk about your digestion and your anatomy, have you continued to breathe? And invite your breath really conscientiously, consciously into your belly. And let your belly breath expand behind your belly button and into the sides of your body. And relax your back as much as you can so that this whole midsection of your body 
is receiving your breath. And see if you can send a message into this part of your body that's a message of trust. So before when I called your stomach magical, I'm going to call your intestines magical too. That there's a knowledge that's inherent in your body of what it needs and what it doesn't need. That your body is capable of taking in what it needs and filtering out what it doesn't need. And so as you breathe and as you um, feel your belly expanding with your breath, imagine a quality of trust. And for me, I feel a quality of trust as a softening. And similar to when you really trust a person or you trust the integrity of something to hold your weight, it's like, ugh, I can just relax into this and invite that quality of trust really deeply into your belly. And now we're just going to continue with this embodied meditation, this visualization of what happens when we eat. And so you might just imagine the whole pathway quickly again from the smell or even the sight of what it is that you're going to eat, the smell to the taste, the chewing and the swallowing receiving into your body, into your stomach, the softening of the food, the traveling into your small intestines. And then as you feel the rhythm of your breath, uh, you might just imagine the rhythm of the guts of your intestines as this uh, matter, the material of your food, um, is being broken down, broken down, and then starting to move into your large intestine. And the gateway or the valve, the transition place between your small and your large intestine is about halfway between your belly button and your right hip, um, a little bit kind of lower towards your pubic bones. So that's another transition place, but it's kind of the same tube that then gets a little bit bigger. And your ascending colon or the first part of your large intestine um, travels up the right side of your waist pretty much from your right hip pocket up to just below your right lung. And then there's what's called your transverse colon that travels between your um, right side and your left side, side below your diaphragm. And then your descending colon, which travels down from just below your stomach from, from the left side, uh, down your left waist and into your kind of left hip area. And then it crosses uh, to your midline and right in front of your sacrum, that large uh, descending colon then has a new name called your rectum. And then that's what happens with your food. So it goes up through the ascending colon up the right side, over through the transverse colon and down the descending colon. And that's where your body is extracting um, all of the excess water, the moisture that it can take. So these last bits of nourishment or what's needed from the food that you've eaten, and then you shit it out, whatever is left, right? The, the bulk materials and um, other elements that your body is excreting, is eliminating, like dead blood cells or something like that. And if we were just to imagine, you know, that your poop um, is just going back into the ground, and maybe in a more ideal world, we would have composting toilets everywhere. We'd have some kind of infrastructure for taking poop and turning it back into soil because it's such fertile, rich material. 
And um, if you've ever lived anywhere where there's an outhouse or something like that, um, I grew up in a place where we used outhouses. And I remember every couple of years the outhouse would get moved because it, you know, be full. The, <laughs> the hole would get full. And then a tree would get planted there. And these trees would always just grow so fast and so big. And uh, that's because they get all of this nourishment. Um, so the composting process of what the, the bodies, the animal bodies have consumed, have transformed, and then have excreted becomes part of the fertility of the soil. And you might even imagine a full circle now of the fertility of the soil feeding your favorite plant, your favorite fruit. Now take some deep breaths again and uh, just notice what responses have come up in your body because sometimes talking about digestion and poop really freaks a lot of people out. And it might not freak you out, but it probably freaks out someone that you know. I've been an anatomy teacher for a long time and consistently uh, in classes when I talk about the body and its natural processes, people start to get real queasy. And there are a lot of reasons for this, um, probably more than I can imagine. But one really big reason that I can definitely think about is just how much shame there is <clears throat> culturally and particularly in Western culture around pooping and the body's uh, inherent capacity to do what it needs to do. It's magic and uh, Western medicine in particular has kind of um, shut off the intelligence of the body and brought it into the realm of you know people that are trained for a really long time as doctors and um, have learned to kind of separate certain parts of the body or certain functions of the body from the entire organism, including the environment, including um, the context under which someone is living, like their relationships or um, the stress that they're experiencing or something like that. And as we get into Virgo now and talking about Virgo, Virgo is very much a sign that is related to holistic well-being and wellness. Wellness is a word um, like mindfulness or, um, you know, meditation or something that it, it's, it's kind of everywhere and in its everywhereness, it's a nothingness. So wellness or well-being, as I understand it, is um, a, a holistic experience that when we're in a state of wellness or a space of wellness, it's not just our bodies, it's not just our emotions, it's not just our minds, but it's a kind of balance and relationship that we have to everything and everyone around us. And wellness isn't a set destination, it's a practice. And Virgo is a very much an energy that relates to this practice. So as I mentioned in the introduction, everybody has a Virgo in their chart. It doesn't matter if you were born in the season of Virgo, you can identify for sure with Virgo energy. And all you need to do is look at your chart, um, your birth chart. And if you have the time of day that you were born, then you'll know where Virgo is in your chart, what house it rules. If you don't know what time of day you were born, you can still see how the sign Virgo is relating to the other signs and through its ruling planets, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So when I say that everyone has Virgo in their chart, uh, what this means 
literally is that astrology charts include all the signs and all the planets and everybody is working with their own unique constellations and harmonies and I also mean that Virgo is an energy and it's one of the ways that energy on earth or life energy expresses itself so as I start to talk about Virgo, if you have other ways that you associate these qualities, um, maybe to other traditions or knowledge, feel free to make those associations. I always want to encourage um, a, a using of astrology or the usefulness of astrology to be part of an intuitive practice and an associative practice. It's a really great way for classifying things. And for me, it makes a lot of sense in its own language. But if you've been studying astrology for a while, you might hear me say things that you're like, where did she get that? Um, and I pull in my own references. So uh, don't be a, a Puritan. <laughs> um, let whatever I say resonate for you in the ways that it does and, and make your own associations. So in the astrological language, Virgo is an earth sign. All of the earth signs have to do with the earth realm. And that means the material realm and the terrestrial laws. So we have the law of gravity. We have the law of death. Everything that comes into form will eventually change. To work with earth, to work with the earth realm, is to work through manifestation. So we have to deal with the rules of our environment. And sometimes these are rules that have to do with societal structures. So the rule of right now. Um, wherever you happen to be. Sometimes these rules have to do, again, with a terrestrial law, what it means to live on the planet Earth. Um, sometimes these rules have to do with our bodies and the rules of our bodies that change depending on age, depending on um, phase, depending on uh, health as it does its thing of um, moving in and out of um, states of wellness. So Virgo is an earth sign. It's also a mutable sign. Within Western astrology, there are what are called qualities. There are three qualities or modalities, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Cardinal signs are the beginnings of seasons. Fixed signs are the middles of seasons. And uh, mutable signs are the endings or the transitions between seasons. Virgo is the end of summer in the northern hemisphere. Its opposite sign, Pisces, is the end of winter. Um, depending on where you're listening from, if you're in the southern hemisphere, uh, you can think about Virgo and Pisces as part of an axis, or if regardless of hemisphere that you're in, I should say. Think about them as an axis because they're always informing one another. So these ending of seasons are times of mutability. They're times when the qualities of one season give way to the next. And in the northern hemisphere, Virgo season is harvest season. This is the time when the abundance of summer gives way to uh, all the, the richness of food at this time, the ripening of the grains and the fruits and the vegetables. And so we start to bring them in. Um, with Virgo, we have the idea of the earth as it's changing. And so mutable earth is not just seasonal. It's happening all of the time. The earth is constantly changing. 
and taking different forms and taking different shapes, whether those shapes be gardens or trees or lakes or mountains, the earth is constantly changing and forms are arising and then transforming. And I think of Virgo often as how nature organizes itself. And as a nature lover, um, I'm just always kind of profoundly mystified and in awe of nature's intelligence. Um, it doesn't matter where you go. If you encounter a natural landscape of any size, but some kind of little plot of, grant, of land or huge expanse of wilderness, but some space that hasn't been messed with by humans, um, you can just marvel at how nothing is out of place in the natural world. You know, even stuff lying on the ground that's decomposing or whatever, like everything uh, is working together. And in any kind of natural landscape, there is always a perfect color palette. And I love this about seeing different places, you know, in the desert or in the Pacific Northwest rainforest or in the mountains or something like that. You'll have all these different colors that are part of that landscape, but the palette is always perfect. Um, and as a, a person who loves art and who loves color and who loves nuance, I'm just constantly amazed at this. Like everything is perfect. Every, uh, every color it goes with the other color. Every little thing is in its place. And this to me is Virgo. It's how nature organizes itself. And if you're a gardener or a natural gardener, you might know about the symbiotic relationship between certain plants or between plants and insects. And this, again, is a Virgo expressing itself. It's how uh, the natural world or the Earth Mother might go, okay, this plant needs to grow here next to that plant because they provide um, protection for each other. They provide a particular kind of mineral for one another. And this bug is going to find this thing in this plant so that it can give this thing to that plant or whatever. And that kind of communication, the um, care and craft of these little details all working together. To me, this is the kind of supreme and most beautiful manifestation of Virgo in its energy. So regardless of whether or not you identify as a Virgo person, um, you live in a body and therefore you live in a natural landscape. Your body is nature. And nature, of course, is perfect in and of itself and your body is too. Um, so all of these details of your body somehow knew to form themselves. And our bodies, of course, are in states of dying as they're living and so bodies are always breaking down and there are things for a lot of people that might not uh, I'm making air quotes now work in the ways that um, a medical system particularly again a Western medical system might say this is the right way so when I'm saying things like your body is perfect or all the details of your body are um, they have been formed perfectly I want you to hear that in 
um, the meaning that, that I have for it, which is that regardless of the shape of your body, regardless of any kinds of, of things that are going on for you that are not fitting in some other human-made system of perfection, your body as it has been formed um, is perfect. There is intelligence in your cells that knew how to grow bone, that knew how to grow lung tissue, that know how to um, grow cells, and cells themselves have memories. And these memories go back to the beginning of time. You know, if we think about this cycle of life, eating of a plant, taking the energy of that plant, transforming it through our bodies, shitting it out, um, the way that plants and animals feed each other again and again and again, the way that water cycles through all of its various forms, etc. Uh, we can easily make the argument that anything that has existed on Earth on some level, some tiny kind of quantum level, exists in your body at this time. And that is perfection. Um, if you ask me. So please hear, hear my word um, perfect in that light. And let's think a little bit about how the body discerns um, what is needed and what is not needed. So in medical astrology, Virgo rules the intestines and the spleen, and these are the organs of discernment. It's where we go, okay, that little thing is helpful, that's not helpful. So in the intestines, we discern around food and uh, nutrient particles, what we've consumed. And in the spleen, we discern around blood. And there's purification processes that happen uh, in all of these organs, small, large intestine and spleen. The discernment of Virgo has to do with some qualities that you might have heard about Virgo as being really detail-oriented. And if you eat one bite of food, that one bite of food is going to break down into like a trillion different little particles. And then your body is going to filter out which particles it wants and which particles are necessary, ideally. So with all of these details, the quality of discernment becomes a really important quality for Virgo. To be able to kind of, um, I'm shifting metaphors now, but to like scan something and to see a, a whole of it, but then to see how that whole breaks down into several different pieces or you know, hundreds of different pieces and to discern uh, what to pay attention to and what is not necessary to pay attention to is what we cultivate through Virgo. So this idea of details and discernment, but also making use of something, um, assimilating, doing some kind of labor or process of um, making use of something. So we take the nutrients that, that we've consumed and then the body turns them into energy. And this function in our physical bodies is related to the function of Virgo in general, which is to, to uh, define, to qualify, to separate, uh, to organize, and to attend to the details. 
So as you think of Virgo, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about Virgo and the personality in a second, but as you think about Virgo, think about the ways that you do this work in your own life, filtering information, filtering um, what you're taking in or what's around you, discerning and making use of things, digesting something, right? To digest is to um, be able to relax enough right? Check in with your belly again to relax enough, to trust the body's process enough that the process itself can, can unfold. And that digestion process, if you're familiar with um, the physiology of digestion, happens when your body is in a state of rest. And one of the ways that Virgo can manifest in a more detrimental uh, kind of quality is like a, a vigilance or a neuroticism. And we really need to rest in order to digest. And this is also one of the lessons of Virgo. Um, so getting into a little bit more uh, of the personality and thinking about how Virgo works through the chart, another place that you can look in the chart to understand how Virgo works for you is the sixth house. In the Western system, uh, a chart wheel is a circular shape and it's divided into 12 pieces. Um, these pieces are called houses and it's how astrologers divide the sky into areas of life or areas of experience. And each of these pieces corresponds to, or each of the houses corresponds to the signs in their order. So the first sign is Aries, relates to the first house and the sixth sign is Virgo and that relates to the sixth house. Um, the sixth house comes after the fifth house and if you listened to Leo season last month you heard me talking about the energy of centrality and personal expression and this life force. Now Virgo comes after that and I think that Virgo is what we naturally do after Leo. So with Leo we're like this is how I'm special. This is what I want to express. This is a divine energy that is coming through me. And then with Virgo, we put it to use. Now, there are lots of different ways to think about the sixth house. And we can think about the sixth house as the place of labor where we are performing some kind of job. We're doing something that makes us useful um, in very practical ways through our bodies, through our attention, through our efforts. This is the place where um, in the chart where we come into some kind of service and service can be to a lot of things. And so in the sixth house, we find information about our jobs. As I mentioned, this is really not at all the same thing as vocation or career, but it is like the day to day, the work. Um, Anything or way that you are taking care of others or of your environment, potentially because you have to, but also because it is um, either just something you, you love to be doing or it, it is what keeps your, your life kind of functioning. So this could include like cleaning up your house or doing your chores. It could include caretaking of dependents. In the sixth house, we find information about pets. And um, 
If you are a person who is fortunate enough to live with an animal being, one of the most amazing gifts of animals um, that they teach us is how to care for other beings. You know, that um, they, they give to us and we take care of them because of the love that, that they allow us to feel. I mean, that's my take on it. Like, if you get to be around animals, you get to experience just a very simple, uh, quality of love and connection that doesn't get convoluted by like human l level bullshit, you know, all the uh, spinning around that we can do in our relationships and the conditionality. Um, animals, for me at least, really invite a kind of unconditional love practice. And so um, this might be another way to understand Virgo if you're a person who loves animals or if you're a person who's a gardener, if you take care of, of plants, you know, this way of attending to other beings, of taking care of them. And in the caretaking, it's actually a gift. It's like you're getting something and that something that you're getting might be a regulating experience because it's rhythmic, um, because it requires your consistency and your attention and your devotion and it can also be um, a humbling experience and so these are qualities of Virgo humility discipline discernment regularity accountability showing up in the caring for our environment we also have the caring for our bodies and the ways that we care for our bodies and their physical health um, is not separate it can't be separate from the ways that we care for our emotional and mental health and i think again this is this idea of wellness or well-being that the health of the body is not separate from our relationships or what's going on in our minds or our spirits and so then the sixth house is one of the places um, where we look in the chart to find information about health and um, illness or well-being so in your chart, if you look to see where Virgo is in this part of your chart, you are here to um, understand something about the qualities of Virgo and how it's manifesting. And wherever you have the sixth house, um, you're also here to understand something about Virgo through your actions, through your behaviors, and through these um, areas of life where you're kind of performing these rituals that have a lot to do with Virgo. So what are the qualities of Virgo? Um, I think in order to understand the qualities of Virgo, we need to look at it in its axis and in its polarity. Virgo is the opposite sign to Pisces. So as I mentioned when I was talking about the um, hemispheres, it's important to remember that the 12 signs are also six polarities, that one sign doesn't exist without its opposite. In the polarity of Virgo and Pisces, we have the spectrum between the details and the priority, or the everything and the little bits and pieces. So I've been talking about Virgo as being associated to the details, to the little bits and the pieces, and to the ways that we um, discern and differentiate. Pisces is the opposite of that. Pisces is where everything mixes together. And in the zodiacal language, sometimes Pisces is called the sign of self-undoing because it's where we lose our self, the idea of self being separate. 
and um, we might remember, oh, I'm connected to everything. Anything that I eat is the product of everything that is in existence. And I myself am a product of everything that is in existence. I'm not separate from it. Um, I'm always contributing to it. I'm always affected by my environment. And the environment arises from the past. And the past, of course, is a whole lot of things, way more than we can possibly know. And so this is Pisces. It's this kind of mysterious um, amalgamation of everything that has ever existed. And Pisces is a zodiacal energy that is related to the divine mystery or the spirit. And the spirit is unknowable. And it's unknowable in our human uh, consciousness. It's unknowable through language. It's unknowable through form because it's bigger than any form. It is um, a sound and a quality that could never be put into a word. And it's this idea of, you know, you see the face of God and then you explode. You can't handle it. Um, so in the, the polarity between Virgo and Pisces, we have um, kind of this essence of everythingness, which is then filtered through all of the details. And everything is constantly manifesting in a bazillion different forms. Whatever we're experiencing right now, the arising of the shape of your body, of the place that you're in, of the food that you just ate, of the quality of air around you, of that plant over there, of that car going by. These are collections of molecules coming together for a moment, binding together, being organized together. And in just a moment, the moment will pass and the molecules will uh, separate and everything is going to go through its own transformation process and then reform as something else. And so this is the play between Pisces and Virgo. And when I was talking about how I think of Virgo as the energy of nature organizing itself, I was speaking about the beauty of a natural landscape, but nature, of course, includes everything. And there are the, the human-made forms as well. And I think that, you know, with Virgo being an earth sign and the earth realm being anything that's manifesting, uh, we can also think of Virgo as the ways that our minds and our labor, our activities um, form uh, matter, form matter from energy, how we're... Um, ourselves, in our bodies, in our choices, in our attention and in our discernment, in our digestion processes, and I use digestion now as a metaphor, um, how we are choosing to create. So I hope that that gives a little bit of an idea of the polarity between Pisces and Virgo. Um, there's a lot more to say that we could say, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about it at the end when I get into um, Virgo's ruling planets. But first I want to just mention a little bit um, how Virgo can manifest for each of us in terms of qualities. Now um, thinking about Virgo and its association to details, to discernment, um, to, the, to labor, and to activity that is industrious in some way, that uh, takes small pieces, that puts them together, that cleans things, that organizes things, etc. 
Um, Virgo is going to manifest in each of us as the way that we attend to the details of our material lives and organize them. And we do this on all levels. So we do this energetically, emotionally, mentally, and of course physically as well as spiritually. And when um, we're overwhelmed by the details or when we're hyper-focused on the details, um, those are places where the Virgo energy can get kind of wacky. And we might say that Virgo enters its detriment um, when it's like the, the details suddenly become way more important than the priority. So a lot of times someone with um, strong Virgo or a person who's experiencing a Virgo phase of something or Virgo is manifesting in them in a particular way right then um, may experience a lot of anxiety. Details can become really overwhelming or trying to keep track of a whole bunch of things at once and kind of constantly in like uh, a need to organize these details and that can be um, a really tiring and frustrating and anxiety producing kind of state to be in. So another way that Virgo shows up in its detriment is through neuroticism and nervousness and um, a, a compulsion or an obsession with the details, getting hyper-focused on one or a few details or getting hyper-focused on how certain things are going to be organized and put together. Virgo can have a really controlling quality to it and a, a real uptightness. And that uptightness comes from a feeling of this is the way that it's supposed to be. And this idea of Virgo as an energy or the sixth house as an area of life of where we are holding things together, where we're making them useful, where it's, uh, you know, a um, kind of a, a task that we have to perform in order to function. And as a person... Uh, with some strong Virgo, so I have Venus and Mercury in Virgo in my chart and a lot of aspects of those planets, I can get so detail-obsessed and totally miss the priority for the details. Um, anyone who's been close with me for any length of time knows that that's one of the things that I struggle with the most is when to put down the details, when to stop obsessing about things when to stop trying to organize stuff and you know get it all to function correctly and to just like enjoy the moment and be present um, and so again that's the balance between Virgo and Pisces with Pisces being this is the moment okay we can let it all go all these details are going to dissolve someday and then Virgo going no, no 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 I gotta get it just right I have to put this thing just there and you know this is the job that I have to do right now um, so if you resonate with that, check out the Virgo in your in your chart. Another way that Virgo can manifest in its detriment is through pickiness and criticism. And this is one of the things that happens when we become really detail-oriented and focused is that we notice the flaws in things. We go, ooh, it's a little bit dirty over there. There's a crack in that or that little thing isn't just exactly this way and it needs to be just a little bit another way. And so then nothing is good enough and we're constantly needing to improve things. So again, as a person with strong Virgo and Venus and Virgo in my chart, and if you're a person that has Venus and Virgo, I bet you can relate to this. Um, making things better is a love language for me. And that can be really problematic for the people that I love sometimes because uh, not everybody wants to be picked on or picked at and maybe it's just fucking fine as it is. And this 
way that uh, Virgo can obsess about the details and go, oh, I can get it just a little bit better. I can get it just a little bit better. Or this thing is just, you know, if it was just this way, it would be better. Um, that when it comes into relationship or when it comes into dealing with the world or when it comes into uh, your self-esteem can be really problematic. And so one of the ways that Virgo, again, can manifest in its detriment is with nothing ever good enough and this kind of sense of perfectionism and pickiness that can bring about a kind of rejecting quality as well. Um, and then finally, these qualities, this anxiety or uh, neuroticism and uptightness, a pickiness can really manifest in health. And it can manifest in um, especially our abilities to assimilate and to absorb. Because when we get uptight and controlling and anxious and nitpicky and nothing is ever right, we tend to get into a state of contraction and there's a rejecting quality within the body itself. And this is part of why um, in the beginning of, of this episode, I invited all of us to really relax the belly. So I'm going to take a deep breath myself and then invite you to do that um, in yourself as well and to relax and to come back into this idea of breathing in a state or a quality of trust because this is where Virgo finds its balance. And when Virgo goes too far in the direction of Virgo, when it forgets Pisces, its opposite, it goes into its detriment. So when Virgo is in balance, um, it's in alignment with something. And if we think about Virgo as an energy that is very much associated with the material forms, with things being in the right place, um, one of the things I'm thinking about is um, the idea of vinyasa yoga. And so if, I know there's a lot of uh, yoga teachers and practitioners who listen to embodied astrology. And you might have heard at some point that vinyasa means, uh, the word means to place correctly or to place intelligently. That there is the idea of um, a flow or a sequence of shapes, one being performed after the other, in some kind of intelligent fashion. And that the way that we bring our body into these shapes is with a lot of care and attending to place it correctly, uh, not to be too rushed, not to be sloppy, but also not to be rigid and uptight. And the reason for this is so the energy of the breath can really start to do the thing that it is capable of doing, which is to purify the body and to exalt the spirit and really get us into a space of alignment. And alignment includes the physical body, but it's the physical body in relationship to gravity and levity. And it is the inner body in relationship to the environment, to the external um, realm, what our senses are, are perceiving and taking in. So when I think about alignment, I think about some kind of relationship that allows um, an uprightness and an ease or conductivity. And in the relationship of Virgo to Pisces, we also have this image of a channel. Um, the, one of the archetypes for Virgo is the Virgin. 
And if, if I think about the Virgin, like the Virgin Mary or um, the Virgin as kind of a sacred archetype, I think about literally a, a channel for divine energy to move through and an embodied vessel um, that gives birth to divinity in the world and is in service to it. And I think we all have the potential for that. So Virgo in relationship to Pisces, the details and the priority or the, the materials, the organization of nature that expresses this infinite magic and intelligence of the cosmos or of spirit um, is Virgo in its exaltation. It's how we become channels and conduits for something to move through by bringing ourselves into alignment with what we manifest or how we materialize the choices we make to consume to shape to discern etc the details and the nuance become really important um, they are really important for virgo always but in an in a, a kind of more exalted way or a more beneficial manifestation of virgo um, the details are it's like this is where we really get to express our love and again, as a Venus and Virgo person, it's like the details. Oh, when, when someone loves me through the details, it's like the best kind of love. You know, like, oh, you noticed that. Oh, you got that little thing exactly right. And it's often how I um, really seek to express love is by remembering the details or picking things up um, that are quite nuanced. As a person with um, Mercury and Virgo, if you've l listened to these podcasts um, or have learned um, or, or practiced movement with me, um, you know that I love language and I love having exactly the right word to express something. And the nuance and the detail of something expressed through Virgo is like... Perfection might um, exalt Beyonce right now as like the Virgo queen, you know, as someone who is extremely controlling about her image, um, what she puts out into the world, but her attention to details means that she fucking gets it every single time. It's always just top notch. Nothing is out of place, right? Um, in this attention to detail, there is an association to devotion, and that's another word that Virgo is often associated to. Um, the devotional quality is, I guess, you know, it can be religious for sure, but I think it's better to think of it outside of a religious form and to think instead about the energetic quality of being devoted to something and that devotion itself is the practice. Um, so again, for anyone familiar with uh, the, the yoga philosophy or the different paths of yoga, there's one path called bhakti yoga. And bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion, um, where we kind of exalt the, the supreme being, we exalt the spirit. And there's karma yoga, where we perform the service, where we put ourselves into selfless service. And through that service, we open ourselves as channels um, for love or for this kind of cosmic intelligence, whatever you want to call it. And so finally, that brings us 
to Virgo as an archetype for a healer um, or a priestess, a priest, it, the, the energy again of being a conduit, um, but being attuned to the material details and to the spiritual material relationship. And again, in the sixth house, there's information about animals, about plants and healing and the body. And people with strong Virgo, people with strong sixth house placements are often people who are healers in some way or another. They may not be um, identifying as healers. And we live in a moment when you know people identify because they've gone to school for something a lot of the times. Um, but there have been plenty of other times, and I think there are still plenty of, of places or traditions where uh, people identify because of a calling, because of some kind of natural inherent gift or curiosity. And you might have a job of, you know, uh, insurance claims adjuster, but really you might feel yourself as a healer because you attend to details and you see the ways that certain details can be moved or adjusted so that someone uh, can have an experience of, of healing. Um, so it doesn't matter what your title is, but think about your relationship again to small details, to details coming together, to the way that details together can form a container, that the container can hold the priority. And the priority is always the energy, whatever spirit is coming through. Um, so Virgo is associated to different planets. And another way to understand Virgo in your chart is to look to Virgo's ruling planets. And I'm saying planets plural. Um, and if you are familiar with astrology, you might be going, why is she saying planets? Um, and that's because I'm actually including one of the goddess asteroids as a ruler of Virgo. And I'm going to talk about that next. But first, I'm going to talk about the classical ruler of Virgo, which is Mercury. Um, you may be familiar with Mercury as the planetary ruler of Gemini as well. And if you listen back to Gemini season, you'll hear me talk about Mercury there in its function around language and speech and words and again, details, but here the details of information. In Virgo, Mercury functions as the details of the natural world. Mercury as a planetary force um, is a very curious force and it's where we develop intelligence. Um, where our mind really gets stimulated, where we start to classify and organize and discriminate and discern. So again, words that relate to Virgo and um, how we articulate whatever our intelligence is, is a mercurial function. So Mercury as the planetary ruler of Virgo, uh, to me, again, is this force that organizes nature, that puts things in its place, that has some kind of um, intelligence, again, to, to bring certain organisms or elements together with others so that both or everything can benefit. In its association to the... Uh, mythic figure. Mercury is androgynous. 
it is an intersex being. It travels uh, to the underworlds and to the overworlds. It delivers information um, between the gods, or they deliver information between the gods. It's a translation or a translator energy. And uh, with Mercury's association here, I'm thinking about how Virgo is associated again in its exalted form to healers and to healing. And so when I say healer or healing, um, I want to think really broadly about what healing can look like and who healers are. And again, to reference this idea of wellness or well-being as a holistic experience and an interplay or relationship uh, between all parts of an individual and their internal organism and then the larger biome or environment that an individual is part of. And Mercury here definitely relates to healers and healing as being a, a force that again can translate. And so healers can translate the language of the body and understand through that language um, maybe a deeper meaning of a symptom. And if someone, for example, is a healer that's working with uh, plant medicine, um, and I know there are a lot of people who follow embodied astrology that work with plants and uh, minerals or other kinds of, um, you know, gifts of the natural world, not mutated, not um, synthesized through modern medicine, but just the essence that's coming from the land, um, that what you all do is you are translators and you're picking up the energy of the body and you're recognizing where the energy of the body needs some kind of other influence and you're bringing these influence in to relate with the body to stimulate certain processes to happen and of course your intelligence is organizing um, around what you know the properties of all of these plants to be but I think anybody who's working with plant medicine is also working uh, with listening. And so their relationship with plants um, is going to be some kind of receptivity relationship where the plant is actually telling them, this is what I'm useful for, this is how to apply me, this is how, um, you know, how much or when or something like that. So this is how I see Mercury in relationship to Virgo and to Virgo's qualities. Then I, I also want to bring in Vesta. Um, and Vesta, as I mentioned, is one of the goddess asteroids. And I love the work of Demetra George, who's an amazing Hellenistic astrologer. And she has a couple of books out that um, include Vesta. And other than Demetra, I haven't really seen um, that much. Uh, on Vesta for astrology. I know that other people are working um, with Vesta, but I haven't come across so much that's really felt um, exciting and, and relevant for me. And so if you know of other sources, please let me know. I'd love to um, uh, learn from them. So Vesta is uh, the, the Roman name um, for the goddess of the sacred hearth and the Greek counterpart is Hestia and of course the Roman and the Greek goddesses are um, the kind of evolution um, I'm using air quotes for evolution I don't think that's quite the right word um, but the the transmutation and the transformation from earlier 
religions and um, kind of pagan belief systems. So with Vesta, we have the Roman goddess of the hearth, a goddess who was revered and really was one of the only feminine figures kind of brought into a mostly patriarchal masculine pantheon. And um, this particular goddess was exalted, was revered because of her power um, to, to keep the state going. And so there was this idea um, with Vesta and her symbol is the sacred flame that if the fire went out, then Rome would fall. And so at, I think at the center of the city, there was the temple to Vesta where her sacred fire was kept. And there were priestesses, the Vestal virgins who were called into her service to attend to the sacred fire and to keep it going. So the Vestal priestesses were temple priestesses and they attended to the sacred flame, they attended to the keeping of important documents. Um, they were all women, they were women who were given quite a lot of um, power within that time, more power than I think any other women had. They were allowed to own property, they could hold their own wealth. Um, after 30 years of service, they were given the opportunity to, to leave and to marry, but I think few of them did because um, why would you if, if you were autonomous, if you were independent? Um, but with these traditions, um, for me at least, it's a lot more interesting to think back to where they came from. And temple priestesses have been around for a really long time, attending to a sacred fire, or to a sacred flame. And this is a symbol, again, of spirit. So with the flame, we have the idea of spirit, that which infuses all life. And to attend to the sacred flame, we need to feed the flame, we need to keep the hearth clearer and the hearth clean, and we need to celebrate the flame, we need to celebrate the fire. And temple priestesses, um, I think, and, and this is coming from a like hodgepodge of information that I've received from various different sources, um, and definitely uh, quite a lot from Demetra. So Demetra George, if you're interested, you can find her pretty easily. Um, related to the flame uh, as the, the force of life, which of course is erotic, is sexual. And one of the most interesting things I find about Virgo as an archetype is that in modern astrology or classical astrology since antiquity or since the Roman times, um, Virgo has been associated to the virginal energy or to the maiden energy. And a lot of times you'll hear Virgo talked about as like a, a Puritan or as kind of like a nun or um, ascetic or something like that. But if you happen to know any Virgos or people with strong Virgo, this is not generally an energy that is um, like that austere or pristine or prudish. A lot of the Virgos, I would say most of the Virgos I know are pretty kinky. You know, they like to have a good time. They're, they can be really sexual or at least very erotic, really interested in attending to the sacred flame of their own energy. 
And um, this is how I think of Vesta. I don't really associate Vesta as much to the like Roman goddess of the state, but more of um, this idea of the priestess of the sacred flame and priestesses who exalted the divine energy of the inner fire, the inner spirit, and understood how to work with life energy or with erotic energy as a healing practice. And so temple priestesses um, have been associated to, to prostitutes or to sacred um Prostitutes, it's not the right word, but uh, sex healers, sex workers, um, particularly people who are coming through trauma or trying to integrate or heal after trauma, warriors, people coming back from war or uh, coming back from some kind of devastating experience. And um, these priestesses or these healers would help them to heal by helping them come back into their bodies, into their flesh and into the, the sacred flame, the kind of internal life force and healing quality held within their body. So when I think of Virgo, I think a lot about how do we attend very practically in embodied material ways to sacred energy. And for some of us, at some times, this may look like preparing a space, you know, keeping a space clean, attending to an altar. Um, it may look like attending to our bodies, working as healers in some capacity or another, whether that's inviting your friend over for a cup of tea and meaningful conversation, or treating someone with your hands, or understanding how to use medicine. Um, this might be gardening attending to nature, taking care of our environment. Uh, Virgo has a really strong association to organizing and how we organize materials, how we organize information, how we organize space can be an act of service. It can be an act of worship for some kind of experience that occurs when we are in a well-organized space, when something is laid out for us in some kind of cohesive manner. It's like, Oh. And so we come back again to this feeling of trust or to the feeling of being held, like everything can flow, everything can move through um, the things that it needs to move through, the steps that it needs to take. So questions to bring into Virgo season these next 30 days from August 23rd through September 23rd. Consider what you are in service to. Um, we're all in service to so many different things and the ways we perform service are both conscious and unconscious. Unconsciously, we're in service to all kinds of things and many of them um, are destructive. So if we're in service to messed up ideas about what service should look like, um, I talked uh, before about, you know, anyone that has been close with me knows the way that I can get really task oriented. And I tend to be a kind of type A, like overworking person. I really love to work and I love to be busy, but I also get obsessed with whatever the task is. And that very easily translates into um, a, a feeling of value for me. So again, I have Venus and Virgo. And when I'm busy, I feel valuable or I feel like I'm using my time um, in a way that brings value to me as a person. 
And it's been um, a practice of mine recently to really inquire, like, what am I in service to? And what is the, the idea of service to me? And if you, like me, have grown up in a Western mindset that has been very shaped by Christianity, there's an idea that's super prevalent in our world that humans are sinners and that we need to atone for something. And the way that we atone is through labor, through service. And in classical astrology, uh, one of the, the meanings of the sixth house is military service or um, indentured servitude or, or slavery. It's where we have to kind of labor, sometimes without pay or for the good of something else or this kind of thing. Now, I personally am not a fan of the military. I believe we should dissolve it entirely. Um, and, you know, I'm a prison abolitionist. I don't believe in in slavery, but I do believe in service. And so for me, thinking about what does service mean? What do I really want to be in service to has been a really important practice recently. What do I want to put my energy towards? If I'm spending a bunch of time uh, obsessing about something, is this right? Does it look the way that I want it to? Does it sound the way that I want it to? Oh my God, this podcast, all the pieces, I got to get it right, 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 right. Then I have to spend a bunch of time thinking about like, what, what does that mean? Like, what am I comparing to? Why does it need to be this particular thing that has arisen within the construct of capitalism or Christianity or patriarchy or what have you? So think for yourself, you know, what are you in service to? What is service? And how do you want to offer your energy, whether that's your body life energy your body is a sacred vessel so what you put into your body how your body performs tasks um, how your body engages with space is in service to something at any given time so what is it um, another way to be with Virgo notice the details and notice the priority and play with noticing both so I have a friend who was recently sharing with me that they um, were just realizing that when they were looking out at the horizon, their eyes were still focused and fixated on one single point. And they were realizing that they hadn't been able to relax their eyes enough to see the whole picture. And um, this is a state of trauma. So when we're hyper-focused on details, that is a sympathetic nervous system that is in a state of vigilance. Trying to attend to details, trying to pick things up is um, the first part of a, a control mechanism. And one of the ways that we deal with trauma or being um, kind of overstimulated is to try and control things. Let's go, what's that? I'm going to identify that. I'm going to put it in its place. You know, I have to be on the lookout for um, something that I can identify at any given point. And if we're in a relaxed space, we go, oh, look at that big landscape. You know, nothing to do, nowhere to go. I'm just going to be here and experience it. So notice when do you get focused on the details and when do you lose the details for the priority and when does the priority get lost for the details sometimes the detail is the place where we find the most nourishment and the most satisfaction and sometimes the details can be a cluster um, 
And then finally, what are you a channel for? And this is similar to this question of what is service or what are you in service to? But in a kind of larger sense or slightly different, um, we are all here as conduits of energy. And when we can um, kind of recognize whatever that exalted energy is that's coming through us at any given time, then we can really care for it. And if we treat our bodies as temples, again, we're all priests, priestesses of the sacred flame or of the sacred temple. And the first temple that we have is in our body. And the sacred flame is right in the belly. And so this is... Um, the idea of the flame of digestion, really. It's like, how do we attend to our vitality and our life force, but also the cleanliness of our bodies? And this is not to get confused with like weird obsessive purification rituals, um, but really just how do we recognize ourselves as channels or conduits or vessels or containers for some kind of sacred energy? And again, this relates to this question of what are we in service to? But then how do we care for these vehicles um, that are in service and that themselves are sacred? So friends, um, I'm going to leave it there for Virgo season and I hope you have enjoyed. Please make sure to check in with me on August 30th for a new moon in Virgo offering. This is going to be a really powerful new moon because the moon is making aspects um, that day that all of the personal planets will make throughout the month. So Mercury, Venus, and Mars, as well as the sun are all moving through Virgo this season. And this is bringing a lot of energy into Virgo and into your Virgo placements, the sixth house, Mercury, Vesta in your chart. Um, so I don't quite know yet what I'm going to be doing on the new moon. Uh, it may be a podcast, it may be something else, but I always um, have some way of honoring and practicing uh, with the new and the full moon. So check in with me on August 30th and then again on September 14th uh, for the full moon. And the full moon is a really powerful full moon. Um, this is the same day that Mars in Virgo opposes Neptune in Pisces. So this is going to be a big day astrologically um, with that opposition. And then it's also the day that both Venus and Mercury move into Libra. So again, uh, not quite sure what I'll be offering, but I've been playing around with different kinds of practices, writing practices, intuition practices, and you'll get an update if you sign up for my free newsletter. Um, and you can do that just by going to my website and there's a pop-up that you'll see that asks you to sign up. Make sure to listen to your horoscopes. Again, there are individual horoscopes for all 12 signs. And in those horoscopes, I give you an outline for Virgo season as it is uniquely uh, affecting your sun and or rising sign. Um, check out the birthday report if you are a Virgo person or if you love Virgo people. Check out the extended reading and uh, month ahead forecast in the subscriber only section and you can become a subscriber by donating a recurring monthly donation at any amount per month thank you so 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 much for all of your support i wish you all the best in virgo season and beyond until next time bye for now <music>